Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.
Good evening. Let's welcome you to the service tonight. If you want to take your church hymnals, we'll start with number 113. Think of this song in relation to the Sunday school lesson this morning. Arise, my soul, arise.
Stand for prayer. Father, we come before you again in the name of Jesus, thanking you, Father, for the privilege of gathering in your name. And Lord, I just pray your blessing on this service. I pray that you would be glorified and that our hearts would be drawn to you, and that victories could be won again here tonight. Lord, I just pray that you would um, take control of every aspect of the service for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. In a second here in a minute, I'm going to be giving the opportunity to testify if there's anything that um, you feel led to share on, um, whether it's something that's, that's spoken to you in this last week or of any other kind of nature. Um, I know that can be, can be difficult to stand up and testify. I know how that feels. But um, I'd like just to quote something that Brother Steve said last Sunday when, we were, when he was um, speaking to us about 
preparing for your Bible, one of the things I thought that was outstanding in that message was he said that when you know the thing to do, you know what, when God is leading and asking you to do something, don't, don't try to... Uh, at that point, it's time to go. It's not time to, to, to sit and think of the reasons why you shouldn't or why you wouldn't have to. So if God is laying on your heart to speak tonight, to testify, I just encourage you to do that. Um, and I know it feels a little bit, it feels what makes you vulnerable, along with some of the rest of us. Every time we stand up here, it feels, makes you feel vulnerable, I think. And um, it's, it's good for us, though. It's part of, part of um, living life at the cross. I'd like to just read briefly in Second Peter, first chapter. And I personally would like to testify also, and I didn't get up this morning because um, I knew I was going to be speaking tonight, and I would like to, to um, give testimony to the message we heard this morning about uh, keeping principles and applications where they need to be. I, I was really blessed by that message, as I've been blessed by, by the whole week. And, you know, it's interesting, actually, that after a week of meetings like this, um, it seems like the devil tempts us in ways maybe that he hadn't before. And it can be a difficult week after a good week. Um, I know from experience, and I'm sure the rest of you have experienced that as well. And so, just briefly, here in Second Peter, I'd like to go down through a verse about 10. I'm sorry, 11. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and is forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Painting a picture here of a vibrant Christianity, a vibrant relationship with the Lord, in which we go from strength to strength, victory to victory. And I love the steps that he gives here. And essentially, uh, one, of, one of the takeaways that I've got from this week is the beautiful partnership that God has given to his children to enter into partnership with him in the redemption of mankind. And the way we have been given choice and the, the, the options that are open to us as Christians that are otherwise not open to us. And how uh, we are not just flotsam uh, bobbing on the tsunami of life, um, pushed here and pushed there at the mercy of faith and at the mercy of events. But we have a choice. God has given us a choice. He's given us the ability to be more than conquerors, to be victors in the battle of life, not necessarily pushed here and pushed there helplessly. And it's a matter of when we think 
It's a matter of the promises that we grab onto. It's a matter of, of uh, turning our lives over to God and putting self aside and reaching for, his, for, for God and making him ruler of our lives. And these are the things that will turn defeat into victory. It will turn mundane life into a life of joy and richness and fulfillment. And you know, the, the steps that he gives here about adding to faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, we, we build on these things, and it's not enough just to know about Christianity. It's not just enough to know truth, and it's not just enough to take it halfway. But as you build in patience and godliness and kindness to each other, working together, and the, and the whole picture comes together, then it's, it's a picture of, of a, a beautiful harmony that we can have, not only with God, but with his people. And not only with his people, but, but the message that can go out and strength to the world around us. It's a beautiful thing. And I don't know about you, but that's something that that um, I want to get a hold of. And it's not something that we do for reputation or not something that we do because we want to be um, for any other reason than we want to know God, like it's like it's said in, in the Philippians 3 by Paul, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection. Nothing else is worth it. Nothing else means anything except that, that uh, grabbing hold of that, and that will center our lives. So that's um, that's my desire and that's my testimony, I guess, um, after this week of meetings. Now I'll open it up to you. Does anybody have anything you'd like to share in there in the way of testimony or confession? Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, Brother James. Thank you, Katie. I'm not going to drag this out. Is anybody else ready to share?
I've asked the chorus to come up and sing two songs. You can come up at this time. Um, one is Just As I Am, and it's one of my favorite songs. It's a song of invitation and the, uh, the mercy of God extended to us. And the next one is True Evangelical Faith. The one is the song of commitment, and the next one is the song of what happens when we are committed, and that is reaching out to the world around us. Thank <laughs> you. 
again for prayer for turn the time over to Brother Joe. Father, again we come and thank you, Lord, that you have invited us just to come as we are. And Lord, I just pray that 
as we come, that you would change us and that we would be willing to be changed and that we could be your hands and could be your feet, instruments in, instruments in your hands for your glory in this world, Lord. And I pray that you would accept our sacrifice as it's offered to you. I pray that it would be free of self. I pray that we would simply offer ourselves into your care, into your keeping as we go uh, from this place. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. evening. Welcome to each one of you. I greet you again in the precious name of Jesus. And thank you so much for that singing. That was awesome. I guess those of you that uh, spent any time at Bible school maybe have heard me say this before, but have you thought about it, that singing is the only thing I'm certain of that we do on earth that we'll do in heaven. At least it's one of the main ones I came up with. Maybe you have others, but to me that's special. So special. You know, I was recently talking to a young lady as struggling some with her church situation. And uh, I asked, just kind of as a side note, I asked her, "Do they, does your church enjoy singing? And she said, no, we hardly sing at all. To me, that was something terribly sad about that. I'm not saying singing solves a lot of problems necessarily. God bless you for being a singing church. Keep it up. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Tonight I have probably one of the most basic messages to share. Yet it's one that's very near to my heart. And if I get emotional about it, don't feel bad. I'm pretty comfortable with that. And I would like to share this with you as an inspiration. And in absolutely no way do I mean it to be a criticism or a condemnation. I know at least some of you here know a bit about some of the work that we are involved in. And in a way, my message tonight is an apology for that. And when I say apology... I don't mean as in saying sorry, but an apology as in an explanation. It is a message I, I have needed and continue to need. You know that song, uh, Y'all Don't Really Know Me. 
yes, you know me now a little bit better than you did, and that's great. But just as I am, that is probably, if I had to choose one of these favorite songs in my life, it's that song. And it's largely because that God could take somebody like me and not only take, but invite me. I'm not going to go into the details of my life at all, but as I look back a number of years ago, my, the life, I think I can honestly say my life's trajectory lended itself much more to being in a penitentiary tonight than here. And to me, that Christ was willing to go to the cross while I was yet in my sin, that I might have opportunity to live above sin, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. You know, it was a hard process. Like I told you, it's the hardest thing you can ever do. But to come to the place, just say simply, Christ, here I am. I have nothing to offer. My life is a mess, a ruin. And yet he takes it. Shifting back just a little bit. I'm afraid it's all too easy for us as individuals and as churches to trust in programs and institutions set up to help struggling ones among us and around us. But I very firmly of the opinion and reach the conclusion that their success, I'm not being negative about them, is often dependent on how we care, how we help, and how we encourage on the personal and again on the congregational level. In this, I don't ever want to let the impression that if we only had the perfect formula or program, we could help all those that come our way. Sometimes the biggest hindrance to helping a person, to, to, shall I say, lasting help and healing, is them, themselves. Nothing, absolutely nothing, can or will ever take the place of a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not. That's the only thing. Sometimes there's different ways to get there. You know, no wonderful program, no counseling method, can compensate for a heart that will not break before its maker in abject humility. I come. There's another song. I'm going to read the words once. I'll see if I decide to have, see if we can sing it or not afterwards. That very much is my personal testimony as well. In tenderness he sought me, weary and sick with sin, and on his shoulders brought me into his walk again, while angels in his presence sang until the courts of heaven rang. Oh, the love that sought me, oh, the blood that bought me, oh, the grace that brought me to the fold, wondrous grace that brought me 
to the food. He washed the bleeding sin wound and poured in oil and wine. He whispered to assure me, I found thee, thou art mine. I never heard a sweeter voice that made my aching heart rejoice. Oh, the blood that bought me. Oh, the love that bought me. Verse 3. He pointed to the nail prints. For me, his blood was shed. A mocking crown of thorny was placed upon his head. I wondered what he saw in me to suffer such deep agony. Oh, the love that sought. I'm sitting in his presence, the sunshine of his face, while with adoring wonder his blessings I retraced. It seems as if eternal days are far too short to sound his praise. Oh, the love that sought. So while the hours are passing, all now is perfect rest. I'm waiting for the morning, the brightest and the best. When he will call us to his bride, excuse me, his side, to be with him, his spotless bride. Oh, the love that sought me. Oh, the blood that brought me. Oh, the grace that brought me to the full. Wondrous grace that brought me to the full. You know that song well enough by memory to sing it? Okay, that's fine. Kind of short notice. Uh, I would have looked the songbook a little bit and looked like it was there. Moving on. A descriptive contrast. Oh, but he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. Hard and sharp as flint, from which no steel had ever struck out a generous fire. Secret and self-contained and solitary as an oyster. The cold within him froze his old features, nipped his pointed nose, and shriveled his cheek. Stiffened his gait, made his eyes red, and his thin lips blue, and spoke out shrewdly in his grating voice. A frosty rhyme was on his head and on his eyebrows and on his wiry chin. He carried his own low temperature always about with him. He iced his office in the dog days and didn't thaw it one degree at Christmas. That is a description of Scrooge, taken, written by Charles Dickens from his book, A Christmas Carol. But Jesus called them unto him, to him, and said to them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister, your servant. And whosoever you will be chiefest, shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. 
the description of a Christian from Christ's words, Mark chapter 10, verse 42 through 45. The burden of my heart, the goal that my wife and I have set for ourselves, living in the way, thine for service. Recording started. Living in the way, fine for service. You know, on the one hand, we have this word, mind, and again envision a small child clutching whatever toy, whatever they got, mind, holding fast with all their might, all about me, all about what I can do, all about what life owes me. On the other hand, we have the word thine. Thine. Open-handed, freely giving, saying it's not about me. It's about someone else, something greater, something better, something nobler, something higher. Your friends tonight, it can't be both mine. It's just one of those. One of those. Briefly, I want to look at the two views, the two goals, the two possible purposes, or maybe I should say uses, of this life. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. We have Christ reading from Isaiah 61 which I would understand Isaiah 61, at least the verses Christ quoted here, are reread, to be a prophecy of he himself. Listen closely. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to captives, and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Get down to verse 22 in that chapter. When he begins to speak after reading, he says this. This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. This day. I ask you all a question. Is that scripture fulfilled? Okay. I think you understand the answer as I go. Not the best artist, so bear with me, but we'll try to draw some lines here. Predominantly, there's two, two, two ways to view life's purpose. It's use, maybe again I should say. 
the one use of life is to try to claw your way up here. And you do that by being a mind person, by being self-focused, by doing what feels good to you, by taking advantage of others, by using anyone and everyone that comes into your path to further yourself. Whether that financially, whether it's through prestige, whether it's through something. But there's another way to live. There's another way to go use of life that does not include clawing. There's another use of life that does not include using others. That way is the way of service. And the fascinating thing is, as you start here and work your way down, so to speak, the further you get down, the more you serve. The more you serve, the more opportunity for service you will have. Some years ago, there was a billboard in our area. Had a photo of a woman soccer player on it by the name of Nia Pam. On this, it was considered an inspirational billboard. It was not necessarily advertising anything special outside of trying to inspire people. And that whatever you want to call that. The inspirational saying they had on that billboard was kick her way to the top. So I take it that Mia Hamm started out what we might call a nobody. And she became somebody by kicking a soccer ball. I did some research on Mia Hamm. I guess I don't keep up enough. I wasn't familiar with the name. She wrote a book, and the title of her book stimulated my thinking even further. The title of that book was Go for the Gold, A Champion's Guide to Winning in Soccer and in Life. Now, I am not, by what I say next, I'm not trying to judge Mia Hamm personally as a person. I don't know her status before God, and I'm happy to let it there. She hasn't crossed my path, so it's not my responsibility at this point. But think about that. Kick her way to the top. If you would like to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9, we have another woman it gives a bit different picture than what I have of Mia Hamm. Acts chapter 9, verse 36. I don't know for certain anyway that this woman, I think she's not mentioned anywhere else in Scripture. We have a couple verses on her, and that's it. But notice the testimony in these few brief verses. 
Acts chapter 9, verse 36. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in the days that she was sick and died. Now my focus isn't really what all transpired here, so if you'll allow me to, to save time, jump on down to verse 39. Then Peter arose and went with them, and when he had come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. So that's basically what I need to, you to know about Dorcas Tabitha tonight. Now there was in Joppa a certain disciple. She was a follower of Christ. She had committed to be giving up mine in exchange for thine. And it goes on and says that this woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. How did she get this testimony? How did she get this testimony of being this wonderful, serving Christian? Let's read it in fact in 39, didn't we? And all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the coat and the garment which she made. Ladies, I don't know. Last time you sat down at your sewing machine or did some sewing, you thought of what a wonderful service opportunity you had. Tabitha News. Now, I'm using, filling some blanks in here for myself. But Tabitha's view was not one of kicking her way to the top, was it? I envision her more of one of serving her way to the bottom. Her book, if she had written one, I would love to title, Live for God, A Servant's Guide to Serving Others in Love. Servant's Guide to Serving Others in Love. What is the difference between these two lives? Two people we hardly know. Two people that were taking a few phrases out, yet a radical difference in who they are and in what they've achieved in their lifetime. What was their goal? What was the way in which they lived? And we know that just a little bit. What is your goal in life? Which way are you living? Simple question, isn't it? Not so simple. You know, most of you here, if I came and walked up to you and said, what's your goal? You could give me a very great sounding life goal, I'm convinced. I can do the same. But what is my goal Monday morning when I'm short on sleep? My truck's break down. Nothing's working out right. What's my goal on Wednesday? When I got a customer that just won't be pleased. What's my goal on Friday? When my children are unreasonable. Or my wife reminds me once too often to fix something. 
to serve as Christ, to serve as a Christian, I must see God. Do you remember Job? You don't need to turn to it, but in Job chapter 42, verse 5, some verses I read to you earlier this week. Job says, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. Everyone here with understanding, to a degree, has heard about God, about Christ, with the hearing of the ear. You can't avoid it if you're here. But the next step depends completely on you. It doesn't matter how passionate the rest of your church is. It doesn't matter how strong of Christians you're surrounded by. The rest, the next step, is totally dependent on you Specifically as an individual, and nobody else can do it for you. Much as they would like to. What's the next phrase? And Job says, mine eye. Mine eye has seen. How did Job respond? Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. To properly understand Christian service. We must, we have to see God. And also in that process, I need to understand to a degree the way of law, the way of love, and the way of faith, the way of God. So have you seen God? You know, if you have not seen God, the rest is pointless, to be frank with you. You might as well claw your way to the cross. Service without an understanding of God's love in the heart is merely an exercise in good work. Stops and ends with the action. So what is the main hindrance to Christ-like service? One word that you probably heard too often this week, self. Self is the one hindrance to Christ-like service. Now, there are two primary manifestations of self in Christian service, or the possibility of Christian service. The first one I have is not my problem. Not my problem. Surely you don't have any of those around here. The not my problem people. You know, for years, I have to admit, I was a not my problem person. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, if somebody came, asked, I was, yeah, I would try sort of at least. If the church appointed me to a committee to help, oh, sure, I'd try to do my best. But I made very sure I distanced myself from problems that weren't my problem. I have a friend, a lot of you know him, he's in Kenya. That's blessed me immeasurable. You know, my friend Winford, He's probably got a little bit of a problem the other way, if possible. But when there's a problem, he jumps in with both feet. Sometimes he gets repulsed because they don't appreciate it. But at least he tries, right? That's been such an inspiration. So first of all, hindrance to Christian service itself, one of the primary manifestations is not my problem. Somebody's around you, and you are aware of a problem, to a degree, it is your problem. I'm not saying you got to go attack them and fix them necessarily, but you had better be praying for them, right? Enough for that right now. The second one, manifestation of self, 
in service is it's done to self, or for self, my best should say. So often I find myself doing the right thing, shall I say, because it's expected, because it's a good thing to do, because it now is my responsibility and I don't have much choice. Or maybe I even do it for some sort of recognition or commendation. Benefit is rather minimal. If you find yourself doing this like I have at times, I'd like to, for you to give yourself a test. Do something for someone or a group of people, doesn't matter, that they either will not notice, they'll never notice it was done, or either they won't know who did it. And then see whether you are blessed. You know, if you're doing it wholly for self, it'll be a flat experience. You're doing it for God. You're doing it for the right reasons. It's going to be probably the thrill of your life, more or less. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. If you want to turn to Isaiah 58 while I'm reading this. Isaiah 58 for you all, and I'd like to read First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 through 7. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal, just an obnoxious noise, no benefit to it. And though I have the gift of prophecy, maybe our way of talking, preaching, and understand all or many mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and I'd say to this mountain, move yourself, and it would do so, and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods, not a percent, but all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give this body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity, suffereth long and is kind. Charity, envious not itself. Charity, vaunteth, doesn't pick itself, stick itself up. Charity is not puffed up. Charity does not behave itself unseemly. Charity seeketh not her own. Charity is not evil. Charity thinketh no evil. Charity rejoiceth not in iniquity. Char- Charity rejoiceth in the truth. Charity beareth all things. Charity believeth all things. Charity hopeth all things. Charity endureth all. Isaiah 58, verse 1. Better get there myself. Okay? Isaiah chapter 58, verse 1. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily, and they delight to know my ways, as a nation that did the righteousness. Excuse me. As a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinances of their God. They ask of me that the ordinance of justice, they take delight in approaching to God. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our souls, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast, ye find pleasure, and exact all your labors. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate, 
and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice be heard on high. Is it such a fast as I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day in the Lord? Verse 6. Is not this the fast I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness. To undo the heavy burden. To let the oppressed go free. And that ye may break, excuse me, and that ye break every yoke. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou shalt cover it, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Then thou shalt call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here am I, here I am. Thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and the speaking of vanity. And if thou draw out the soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in the drought, and make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose waters fail not. And they that shall be of thee shall be built the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the paths to dwell in. does God really want from me? What does God really want from you? He wants me to be his hands and his feet on earth. You know, when was the last time you saw Christ feed the hungry? When was the last time you saw Christ comforting, sorrowing? When was the last time you saw Christ sharing the good news of the gospel? When was the last time you saw Christ extending a helping hand to a struggling person? When was the last time you saw Christ encouraging a depressed person? When was the last time you saw Christ showing compassion to those that were pushed aside? I read in my favorite Old Testament passage to you, Micah 6, verse 6 through 8. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the Most High? God. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Does any of that work? He has showed the old man what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. To do justly, to treat others kindly, fairly. To love mercy, 
to go beyond what would be required and expected in giving grace. To walk humbly with thy God. To give God all, all the praise, all the honor that I receive. James 1.27 Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. To serve while seeking God. Matthew 25, verse 31 through 45. We have a future event recorded here, and I'd like to read it to you. That would be best if you just sit back and listen with all your might. Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all his holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate them one from the other, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then shall the king say to those on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was a hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. I was naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick and in vi- excuse me. I was sick and ye visited me. I was in prison and ye came unto me. Wow. Then the righteous notice their response. Then the righteous answered him, saying, "Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee?" Or when saw we be sick or in prison and came unto thee? Oh, I so love the king's response here then. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least, the most worthless of these, ye have done it unto me. But that will only stop there. Then he shall say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungry? or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto We never saw you. Then shall he answer them. Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did it not unto one of the least of these, When was the last time you fed a hungry person? When was the last time you gave a drink to a thirsty person? When was the last time you took a total stranger into your house? When was the last time you bought some clothes or gave some clothes to a naked person? 
When was the last time you visited a sick or imprisoned person? Maybe you'll say, oh, we don't have those. Are you sure? John 4, verse 35, Christ tells us that the fields are white and ready to harvest. Not only is the world full of people searching, searching, searching for they don't know what. Our churches have many, so very many, struggling, hurting, confused, and discouraged and disheartened. When are we going to wake up, brothers and sisters? When are we going to get busy? When are we going to say enough has been lost to the world? There are enough struggling in the church. When are we going to say enough of confusion, enough of discouragement, enough of depression in God's people? Maybe you'll say, Joe, it just isn't that easy. But I beg to disagree. When will we quit gossiping about the needs among us and kneel in sincere and honest repentance and heartfelt intercession for the needs? When will we quit having a critical spirit that imagines vain things about our brother or sister? When will we quit judging their motives and condemning them as a problem? When will we, when will we become willing to walk with an arm around the shoulder of the struggling and associate with them in the struggle they face? When will we become willing to at least listen and try to understand their point of view? When will we appreciate and commend the good things in their life? You know, when we reach that point, then and not until then can God begin his work in my heart. Then and not until then can I become a blessing rather than a stumbling block. Then and not till then can God begin changing the situation by, guess what? Changing me. You know, I have yet to find one church where there's not at least one brother or one sister who is struggling and needing spiritual help and support. I have yet to find one of our communities where there are not down and out people who at least feel friendless and forsaken. Early this spring, I was privileged to be in a city mission, sharing. One of the brothers in that mission said, oh, I so much wish I could just fill this big room up with people. I wish I had 50 here, but he said they won't come. Why don't they come? There's need. I'll tell you why they don't come. I'd like to tell you why they don't come. And then I'd also like, before I do that, maybe I should tell you that sometimes I'm part of the problem. I would just so love if you were not. I'll let you decide. This world is full of voices. So full of those offering solutions. Over here, we've got it all together. Like years ago, I helped in a barn stand a little bit, and the one man there, he had a, I guess he thought he had a sales pitch. And he'd lay there, over here, we've got sweet corn. Over here, we've got the solution. Over here, we have a program that really helps. Over here, we've got the answers you need. Over here, we have what really matters. So many answers, so many programs, so many solutions. 
so few real. No, friends, tonight, as Christians, it is impossible for us to drown out those other voices. We don't have a PA system big enough. There is one. This world is so empty of real living. This world is so barren of sincere Christ-like service. This world has so few with happy faces and joyful hearts. This world has so few who really care and who reach out because of who Christ is in them and of who they are in Christ. Not that. You don't need a PA system. No, there's so few people with the security of the truth in their lives and the love of Christ in their hearts. As they live out his purpose for them day by day, compassionately, lovingly, being Christ on earth. One thing I would like to add here is don't wait until you're perfect to serve. Serve right now. Sometimes I see people, well, yeah, in the future. I actually had a friend go so far as to tell me after I've made a lot of money. Never going to get it done. Not unless you repent. There's no such thing as doing it once you got it. You know, the Christian life is much more about commitment than it is about feeling. So if you are a Christian tonight, and God touches your heart, ask God for his love, And even if you don't necessarily feel it, get busy doing it. You know, one of the interesting things, guess what? If I have to relate to somebody that is suicidal, what are three things I tell them to do? First one is get some sleep. Well, often they'll say, I can't sleep. Well, you know what? The second one is get some exercise. Wear yourself out. Take a walk. But actually, the third one is the one I want to focus on, and that is get busy serving. Find somebody somewhere that has it worse than you do. And if they can't find somebody, I'll go help them find somebody. Because you know what? You can't commit suicide when you're thinking about somebody else. Everyone we meet has an eternal destiny. Everyone we meet is someone for whom Christ died. Think of everyone you meet as either someone discouraged or as someone encouraged by the encounter with you. Think of everyone you meet as either someone who stumbled because of you or else someone who was strengthened in Christ through you. Living in the way, dying for service. I have four points here. In, uh, ask, in finding a servant's heart. So number one is ask God to impress upon you the work of Christ at Calvary. Unless I catch a glimpse, unless I see God, unless I understand at least a little tiny bit about why Christ went to the cross won't be able to serve. And I catch a little, just so tiny, maybe, probably, really, 
view of Christ enough to last a lifetime, friends, I'm telling you. Second one is spend time in the Word. You know what one of the number one problems of those of us who call ourselves Christian is that I think we're fake. If your Christianity was rated, and I'm not saying it should be, don't misunderstand me. You don't earn salvation through this. I want to be clear. But if potentially Christianity was rated by the way most Mennonites in the polls I've done have personal devotions, I don't think we hardly clarify as Christians. I'm not saying I don't know the, your personal devotional life. If you aren't in that category, praise God, and I'm not trying to hit you. If you aren't, think about it. Spend time in the Word. Third, ask God for a compassionate heart and for eyes that see the suffering and sorrows of others. That's pretty simple, but it takes some time. And if you ask God for those eyes, use them. Don't just ask. Use them. And the fourth one is kind of along that line. Respond to what is in your path. You know, I told you about a young man earlier in the week who was asked to serve, but it didn't suit his plan. Unless I'm going to help those in my path right now, God's not going to open that door necessarily further. You've got to do what's right in front of your nose. I'd like to give you a few basic illustrations of how simple this can be. I was riding with some group of young people that I really didn't know too well through Oklahoma City. I probably, honestly, be honest with you, it was not a group I would encourage anybody here to ride with. But circumstances had placed me in this van with this group. But in, even in this group, I was tremendously blessed. We were driving down the street. We'd just eaten at a restaurant. And uh, as usually happens, they serve you more than what you need. So at least a few had what a to-go box. And we pulled up to this traffic light. And there's a, I don't know, homeless individual standing there anyway, you know, with a little cardboard sign. I don't remember what his said. It was dark, actually. Anything helps type of thing. And the youngest person in this van load saw this, and she got all excited. She stopped, stop, and she opened that door and was handing out this to-go box and said, God bless you. Oh, wow. Amazing. You know what she said after she closed the door? She's like, I was praying that God would let me bless the whole person. He did, didn't he? He did, didn't he? Better not pray if you don't want it. No, no, a young man, he was in the middle of some pretty intense struggles himself, and uh, one thing that blessed me, though, is in the middle of his battle, they had an old neighbor lady, I don't know, 80, 90 years old. On his way home from work, he stopped and got her the biggest bouquet of flowers he could find. Well, let me tell you, it didn't fix his problem. But it sure enough didn't increase. Gave him something else to think about. Now I know another couple. 
who I don't think their church ever knew about this, and I quite by accident discovered it, that every week they take food to an old handicapped man that lives a few miles from them. And they never told anyone. They just did it. You know, I know many who take time to visit hurting, lonely people. I've done enough of it myself to realize that it doesn't really help you increase your bank account. But I also know that it increases something much more important than a bank account. You know, there are those, many more than what I will ever realize, and I think that's one of the awesome things about eternity is when I get to see and know, and then I'll praise God endlessly because of this knowledge. But there are those who pray. My church at home prays for me. And to me, that gives me strength I could ever have on my own. Those who pray for leaders, teachers, parents. And I don't want to embarrass anyone, but since I'm here, I heard of a young lady who goes to the library and reads to the children, and I just say, God bless you. What will eternity say about my life? Will it be an eternal regret? Can you imagine how I would eat at you? I did do it unto the least of them. Oh, if I only ought to open my eyes. Or will it be worlds away? The other one, the one of eternal joy. He allowed me to serve them. And he counted it as unto them. Glory, hallelujah. Who am I? A being created by God, created for God, saved by Christ. A love slave privileged to serve. Why am I here? To serve Christ through serving others. Where am I going? And again, rather than answering that, I'm going to give you another question. What do your life and actions tell you about yourself? Would you open your Christian hymnals, song number 400? Song number 400. I will be true to thee. Fully surrendered, Lord divine, I would be true to thee. All that I am or have is thine, I would be true to thee. Though it may cost me friends and home, cause me in lands afar to roam, I will be true to thee. Now to the world, really, I bid farewell, I will be true to thee. Broken forever it seeks spell. I will go with thee all the way. All of thy bidding will obey. I will be true to thee. Where thou leadest me, I will follow thee. I will be true to thee. I'd like to do something a little different tonight. I'd like to sing this song. Diane, if you could get ready to start that for us. And I would like to invite anyone and everyone who wants to to stand with me as we rededicate our life to the service of him 
who has called us out of his darkness into his marvelous light of love. Now, by saying that, I know I mean to put pressure on anyone. I'd rather you didn't, if, that, if you feel pressured into it. No obligation. We're not talking about meeting or anything. We're just simply saying that we want to respond to the love of Christ. So I'm not even going to bother sitting down because I'd have to be the first one up. Because like I told you, it's a continual need in my life. After the song, I'll have prayer and then we'll go from there. Okay, you mind starting it, Andy? Thank mm-hmm. you. 
Standing, remain standing. Let's pray. Dear Father, for allowing each one of us to come just as we are, without any plea, except the invitation that you. Lord, I thank you for each one here, and thinking especially of those who shared in this commitment tonight. Would you help all of us, Lord, to more fully give up self, to see of the way, the, see the way of the cross, it extends way beyond the way of the law, and to wholly follow after you, and to daily use those very small opportunities. To live a life that doesn't need an amplifying system because it is the true light of your love shining through us as dear hearts. Just bless this church. Bless each and every individual. And in the needs here, Lord, I would pray your spirit would work among them. May you be honored and glorified. Could your kingdom be built? Could this community be changed? that many souls could be brought into glory. Thank you, Lord, so much for all you've done for us. We give ourselves to you. In the name of your Son, we pray. And be seated. You know, I have the same problem I think a lot of people have. I hope I got it worse. But remember your commitment. Tomorrow, the next day, next year, however much time God gives. I'm going to let Joseph close the service however he sees fit, and then we'll sing that uh, the heartbeat of God one last time together standing. And Andy, if you don't mind coming up here and leading that, and uh, get him to really sing. Uh, before I do that, y'all have been so very kind and encouraging. All I can say is thank you. May God reward you as only he can. Also say thank you for allowing us the privilege of briefly sharing your past again. In this way, it's been special. Y'all are special to, to us. You know what? I'd love to shake your hand on the way out. That's up to you. I know sometimes I get tied up. There's so much, some, especially some of you, that we would have loved to visit more with or, yeah, maybe at all. But I'll just say this. One of the things I've asked God to do for me, I don't know, this might be hard on the, for the people on the first couple benches, but in the last few years I've realized I here is short. There's a good chance I'm more than halfway through my life. I don't know. I have any idea. But whether it's that or whether it's Christ returning, I never will have enough time to meet all the people and share all the paths I'd like to. You know, one thing 
that just brightens my day. That if you live for Jesus, we can share those throughout eternity. Lead to the most glorious things you've ever heard. And if on this earth you have time to visit us, definitely would love to have you. God bless and be with you. this evening's service. Unless you run around. One thing that's been impressed to me uh, this week. Um, one of the story of Job, and and the um, that long spell between what was it, chapter seven and chapter forty-two, where Job went from being a righteous man, he thought, going through that wilderness of recrimination and into some really dark places in his own soul, and uh, and then God showing him for who he really was. Um, it was never the same. After he went from hearing about God to seeing him with his own eyes. And with, with Brother Joe, I guess I, I, that's my burden of my heart. You know a lot about God. You know a lot about the right things to do, the right way to act, the right way to look. Even in the way we teach our children, act that, smack so, and behave like this. May our prayer be we could see him. Knowing that the path to seeing God is generally the path of Job. Just think about it. Think about the people who met God. Think about the people who met the risen Savior. Think about their lives before that encounter. Think of Mary this morning in our Sunday school lesson. 
and the absolute blackness of despair that must have overwhelmed her. So that moment, when she realized it's not the gardener, it's Jesus himself standing in front of her. Now that must have changed her in ways that were absolutely fundamental, and she was never the same. Think about Peter and his fishermen buddies meeting Jesus by the lake shore. Think about Elijah in the tomb, or in the uh, cave, hearing a still, small voice. These people met God, changed them forever. And I guess it struck me in a way that I never thought of before uh, tonight when um, Joe read that passage again on the, those who didn't know who they were. And there's the thought of this encounter with God. Think of being there on that day. There's something that's so powerful about an encounter with God that leaves people forever changed. And I know from personal experience that to meet God, as somebody said here tonight, even a glimpse, a glimpse of God when that comes into our life, it's, it's, mind, it's, it's life-altering. Nothing is ever quite the same. How will it be to stand before him and look on his face? Words aren't available to man to describe that experience. Can you imagine standing there on the left before God and that encounter with God that is, at that point, unknown to you, too late. The die has been cast. You have lived for self, knowing full well what we do know tonight. And being, standing there before God and just that, the overwhelming attraction and um, drawing that we, are, that we feel toward God. And then being forever banished from that. The star core of that. I'm standing before him. Being forever banished from him. We'd ask ourselves forever through eternity, why, why, why? And you know, um, we've been given our walking orders, I think. And um, you know, there's, there's so many things that, that hold us back. And yet, if you look at them, none of them are worth it. In the light of eternity, they're all trivial. And chances are, God spoke to you tonight, as he did to me, and pointed out certain things, places that we can start, glasses of water that we can fill. And them out in the name of the disciple. So I'd like to thank the Lord for his work here this week. 
And uh, praise God for what he's shared with us through Brother Joe. Anybody else would like to share? Ushers, uh, we had announced a, an offering this morning. So I'd like to take that at this time. Let that this time. Baskets are not up here. I don't want to end on a on a negative note. Like I said, that's something that occurred to me this evening. And yet the opposite is also available to us. That's it's not a um I know our, our nature, our human nature, drags us down and self tries to rear its head, but that's not where we have to live. And the God of creation, the God of the resurrection, has given us his power. We can live for him. We can rise above self. Victories can be won. Pardon me? Oh, here we are. Yeah, you're right. Anybody else going to share? I can't think of it right now how the song Dying for Service starts. So James um, got the chorus, but I can't get the first word. Right? All right. I have made my choice to follow Christ. Okay. I am dying for service, Lord. Though I sometimes falter on the way, I am dying for service, Lord. for service in the days I dream. Thine for service through the coming of Yes, thine for service through the coming years. I am thine for service, Lord. Right, Brother Andy, I'm going to turn it back to you. Prayer. Father, we come before you again, Thank you, thanking you, Lord, for the gift of Jesus Christ and for the great gift of salvation of giving your spirit to us, Lord. And I just pray that you would just strengthen our hands, strengthen our feet for your work. And Lord, I pray that we would seek you with our whole heart. And Lord, I pray that we would find you and that having found you, we would become your servants in the truest sense of the word. I pray that you would just help us to respond to the issues that are in front of us, to seek to simply glorify you with our lives, and may we live lives of uh, complete surrender to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. The song has a real note of triumph in it, and if we could kind of sing it that way, uh, sing it re- very rever- reverently, and maybe uh, pick up the pace just a little bit. You can kind of follow me also. 
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.